0: Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan and today on The Retail, safe as houses. The country's financial resilience will be put to the test in the coming months. The Reserve Bank's half-yearly financial stability report finding homeowners will come under increasing pressure from falling house prices and rising interest rates. It's a perfect storm. Interest rates are rising, house prices are falling and a housing crisis of an entirely different kind is looming.
1: Right now, about 2% of mortgage holders are in negative equity. Now, that is where the size of their loan is more than the value of their property. And depending on how far house prices continue to drop, that could rocket to just under 40%, according to Reserve Bank estimates.
0: So today on the podcast, the New Zealand Herald's Thomas Coblin joins me to explain how mortgage rates work the advantages and disadvantages of fixed-term versus floating rates, and whether the incoming economic shock is likely to cause a housing meltdown. I began by asking Thomas what a mortgage actually is, and he responded with a very on-brand
1: answer. It roughly translates to, I think, death pledge from (laughs) French. Um, which, for those people who have them at the moment and are facing rising interest rates, you know, it's quite an apt translation, obviously more uh, being death in French, um, and then the gauge part, which I can't... I think it's old French, so I'm not sure what that is, but there's death part of it. Basically, it's a very long loan uh, that you take out because... um, Obviously, uh, you know, everyone will know that houses in New Zealand are very expensive. Not many people have a million dollars to just buy, um, you know, the median house in, in one of our big cities. So you you borrow money from a bank for about 30 years, you know, a lot of 30-year loans, uh, mortgages in New Zealand uh, at a certain interest rate or many interest rates. Uh, you know, you can, you can have one mortgage and you say, well, I'll, you know, borrow this bit at this interest rate, then I'll borrow another few hundred thousand dollars at this interest rate and another few hundred thousand dollars at that interest rate. Uh, and basically, over the course of that mortgage term, you pay off the principal on the loan, so that's what you've, you know, the, the, the actual um, amount, uh, and then you, you, you pay for the interest on that loan, uh, the amount of money that the bank is charging you for the privilege of borrowing um, that exceptionally large amount of money uh, to, to, to live in your home. What influences mortgage rates? Uh, it's a very good question. So a lot, there are lots of things that go into mortgage rates. The main thing is the official cash rate, which is the, the OCR. Borrowing just got more expensive again. The Reserve Bank's raised the official cash rate by 50 basis points or to 3.5%, as expected.
0: This is the eighth consecutive rate rise off a record cash rate low of 0.25.
1: That's set by the Reserve Bank, and that is um, it's like the the benchmark interest rate in the economy. Other things can influence mortgage rates. What it costs to fund banks influences the cash rate because obviously banks have to have funding for them to then give you their loan. But the main thing is the official cash rate. So that's sort of the, the, that is the number. When the official cash rate goes down, uh, you would expect to see retail mortgage rates go down with it. And when the cash rate goes up, like it's going up at the moment, then retail uh, mortgage rates will also go up. And there are different types.
0: The, the two that immediately spring to mind are f- fixed term and floating. Can you explain what the difference
1: is between these? The bank wants to make money off your loan. You can fix or float. A floating rate means that you your 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 rate floats. It will be subject to the trends of the global economy. So if the official cash rate gets cut, if, if the cost of, of the bank's loan to you decreases, then your floating rate will float downwards. Good news. Um, You've saved um, lots of money. Uh, A floating rate will also mean that you can pay off a lump sum of your mortgage without um, usually facing any penalties. Uh, You can also increase your repayment of your mortgage without suffering penalties too. Uh, Fixed rates are a way of getting some security um, over your loan, which obviously... Uh, when, with the sums of money we're talking about uh, many people find quite attractive so you can fix a rate over for a certain period of time this means that you're often paying a premium above that floating rate uh, because obviously you're getting some security that the floaters don't have so you would fix for six months uh, you can you can sometimes fix it for as, as as low as little as six months uh, or as long as five years so so you know there are a lot of people at the moment um, who you know, um, would have fixed for five years when the official cash rate was 0.25.
0: The country's largest bank expects the Reserve Bank to cut its benchmark interest rate close to
1: zero as the outlook for economic growth and inflation deteriorates. And they would be, you know, saving a lot of money because people on floating rates uh, are now paying really, really high mortgage rates because the floating rates have drifted up with the cash rate. Meanwhile, um, people who fixed for five years are still kind of living in this 2020 world where mortgage rates are quite low. Now the flip side of that obviously is that you get charged you know, penalties for changing that, uh bit like a sort of breaking a term deposit almost, because the bank wants to make money off of you and 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 if you all of a sudden if you you know win lotto or whatever and you say, Right, you know, fine, I'm just gonna pay this off uh, then you're kind of Breaking the agreement that you had with the bank to give them a certain amount of revenue for your uh, loan, and you know, so it's a, it's a bit on both sides, right? Security on both sides. The bank gets security of of your you know income to them, and and you get security of a, of the cost of your enormous loan uh, for your house. And I suppose that
0: taking out a, a fixed term mortgage would also mean that if a big shock were to come around, like oh I don't know, a huge leap in interest rates brought about by Ginormous global market forces, it means that if you bought a house and you fixed a low interest rate for a long period of time and then you come off it, you're in for a bit of a nasty surprise? Yes, ouch.
1: That's what is happening at the moment As people are coming off... You know, we've had for the last 10 years since the financial crisis... It's a bit of a long story involving a lot of retirees putting their savings into savings accounts, China entering the global trading system, cheap oil prices. The last 10 years we've seen really, really low levels of inflation, which has meant low interest rates. So people have been very used to a very low cost of borrowing. And obviously in the last year that has just exploded.
0: A shocker, to put it politely. That's the assessment from Kiwi Bank economists to the biggest domestic inflation rise since records began. The Reserve
1: Bank has warned the cost of borrowing will continue to rise as the cost of living continues to bite.
0: Well, we know that this is going to put a further squeeze on those who do have mortgages.
1: And there are people who have not really witnessed rising interest rates have not really witnessed the other side of that story we we had brief um rise in interest rates in the middle of the decade but, but they swiftly went down again now we're seeing the other side of that story which is where you, people who had counted on this sort of slow sl- secular decline in, in the cost of borrowing are waking up and refixing in you know the 1970s or something where we borrowing rates are not quite as high as the 1970s but they're pretty high while all of this is happening there are
0: also downwards trends in the value of houses in New Zealand. Keep calm and carry on appears to be the advice for homeowners facing the nightmare scenario of negative equity. People who bought when house prices were skyrocketing but money was cheap are now most at risk from the combination of falling prices and rising interest rates.
1: The ageing population in western wealthy economies, more and more people are getting older, they have more and more savings that they are putting you know, to save their retirement, et cetera. The more money that is in those savings means that banks, retirement funds, et cetera, don't have to sort of put rates up too high to attract that, that saving. And that has meant that, that borrowing rates have slowly declined from what they were, you know, decades ago, because there's just so much, there's this glut, they call it a savings glut, and as people could borrow more, as you know, any New Zealander will know, well, <laughs> if you can borrow more, then all you would really want to do is spend more money on a house. And now flip side of that is happening, where central banks are hiking interest rates to, to fight inflation, uh, and all of a sudden people are unable to borrow as much for a house or it's more expensive to borrow for a house. That means they can't afford to pay as much for a house, and therefore house prices are, are going down because we simply can't borrow as much as we'd like to borrow to... to to pay for the house. Now, the interesting thing is that the Reserve Bank measures housing affordability, and that looks at not just the cost of the house, but the cost of the loan to buy the house. And housing affordability is still... Worse now than it was during the pandemic when we' were seeing those crazy house prices, and that is because the cost of borrowing is so high that even though you 're borrowing um, to a, a smaller amount, the actual cost of that loan is, as a proportion of your total income is much higher than it was, is still higher than it was before so it 's people who 've bought houses pretty recently
0: that are really feeling it hard on the homeowner side of things uh,
1: basically if you if you made a housing transaction during the pandemic you're in an interesting financial place, right? now. Mm. Well, I mean, all this leads us to the obvious question, Tom. What kind of
0: fool would have bought a house during the pandemic at the peak of the housing prices kind of thing? Boy, it would be a real idiot who would have done that, right? Emil, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Without asking you to go into the specifics of, of of your financial position on national radio, I mean, like, are you seeing these trends happen in in terms of your mortgage?
1: Well, yes. So I'm not a total hypocrite. So I did, I did practice good financial health uh, in terms of uh, fixing for a long time but I'll, I'll have to face this in, in 2024. Well, One example for, uh, for for listeners is I had a tranche of $25,000, which I was paying off over a year. The interest rate on that was 2 point something percent, you know, a ludicrously low amount of money. So I, I you know, paid that back over the course of the, well, started paying that off over the course of a year. And then I paid off $5,000 as a lump um, amount because that was a prudent thing to do uh, when I, came to refix my rate and my rate basically doubled and it's still costing me even though I've paid off about 20% of that total amount of money the higher interest rate the interest rate has just has doubled almost Um, it's still costing me more every fortnight in repayments um, to borrow 80% of what I was borrowing a year ago despite the fact um, yeah yeah it's costing me more more to borrow 80% of what I was borrowing a year ago because that. that interest rate has changed so much.
0: How many people would we expect to be really severely affected by? I suppose what I'm asking there is, that, you know, how, out of New Zealand's mortgage stock, have lots of those mortgages been taken out in the past three to four years? And would they expect to feel real shocks when they do have to renegotiate some of these?
1: Uh, well, yes. So 1st home buyers in 2021. So, you know, in 2021, you forget 2020 was a crazy year for house prices too. Um, so the, but the 2021 uh, lot um, fine people that they are uh, they borrowed seventeen point eight eight billion dollars in thirty two thousand four hundred and ninety three loans. The population of Timaru basically is in this boat and it's you know there's an incredible mortgage binge, by the way, so that so seventeen point eight eight billion dollars of of borrowing it there was just ten billion dollars of borrowing four years prior to that um when the when the, the this government took over It's just sort of a a good historical kind of point so that's just first home buyers the number of of total mortgages that was written I actually don't have the the number there, but um the reserve bank has done some modeling on that, and they think that if retail interest rates rise to seven percent. We're, we're pretty close to that. Forty-six percent of 2021 borrowers will be spending more than half of their disposable post-tax income on servicing their mortgages. Oh my god! Yeah, and the, the context of that is, is obviously this is sort of the Reserve Bank not being mean here. This is sort of how the this is how the cash rate works. Is that? I mean, they often talk about it as the hangover after the party, and it really is. There is too much money in the economy chasing too few goods, which is why we're seeing... This crazy inflation, and I think when you talk about inflation, uh, and and, and um, the misery of people who you know can't afford million dollar homes, you've got to remember as well that there's the misery of people who are will never be able to afford homes in New Zealand, frankly, um, unless there's a massive change. Who are facing double digit inflation in their food costs, and you, we're trying to you know we're trying to kill that right now, uh, and the way to do that is by sucking money out of the economy, and you do that by hiking the cash rate. Making mortgage repayments frankly more expensive you 're taking money out of people 's pockets, which means they you know ideally spend less that 's the the why this is happening this, is, this isn 't just um, sadism. I have this um, horrible dystopian view of, you know, this
0: desolate property default spiral wasteland in the short term future where all of the first home buyers who bought between 2020 and 2022 are forced to sell their homes for less than they paid because of the falling prices and they can't keep up with the rising repayments and they're all just bought up by investors and boomers who've been sitting on their piles of cash like Smaug the Dragon um, <laughs> you know, What a horrible it, world you know, it's, I
1: mean is that is that too much of a stretch? Am I being overly dramatic there? That's the nightmare of the financial crisis. Sort of what, and it's interesting because America's kind of been through this. America had a binge of, of people borrowing at short terms. And what I should say in New Zealand as well, the interesting thing about New Zealanders is that we are addicted to the property market. Um, it's no surprise to anyone. But we do have an unhealthy reliance on quite short-term borrowing. So New Zealanders have been frankly greedy with the housing market and, and haven't been sensible in many cases and borrowed at quite low rates for short terms. And that means that it will really hurt probably more New Zealanders than other people in other countries because there are fewer people who are borrowing at those long terms to give themselves security. Because you have to remember as well as if you're borrowing at five years, um yeah, when you when you when you come off that loan, if interest rates are quite high then you'll be paying more, but you've got five years of wage growth. You know, and if you're a household then you've got two incomes of five years of wage growth. So you might be in a better position to deal with that. Now if you've borrowed, you know, a lot of money on a six month or a floating or a you know, a short term um, then you, you know you don't have that security and and you really, you're really you in for a bit of a, a beating um, when you come off, which is hard. Thomas, do you, do, do you hear that? <laughs> it's the sound <laughs> of people who
0: will never be able to afford a house in an orchestra of the world's smallest violins and saying, yep. well, if it isn't the consequences of people who own
1: homes' actions coming back to haunt them, what a shame. And that is right. Like, that is, you know... There it is. That's, that is, you know, people in New Zealand have forgotten that when you borrow money and you, you know, you, you're making a financial. This is the funny thing about the housing market is that when we've had debates on the capital gains tax, for instance, we excluded the family home because there's this idea that the family home is sort of sacred and not a financial transaction. But obviously, when you're borrowing massive amounts of money, it, it is a transaction. It's a financial bet that you're making, and New Zealanders are realising for the first time in a while that that. It's with any financial transaction. Sometimes you win, and sometimes you lose. What about the argument, though, that like you know, the government's policies
0: here, you know, encouraging rock bottom interest rates and the the relaxation of rules, dictating how much investors could borrow, and so on, it essentially pushed people to the conclusion that the safest and most economically prudent thing to do is to. Buyer, house, you know, like people being like, I did what every indicator told me that I should do. And now all this shit's raining down on me and I'm in big trouble, but I'm doing the thing that you,
1: you know, tacitly told me to do. Well, yes. And I mean, there's like, and that is exactly correct there's you know you you call it moral hazard right like you don't live with the full consequence of your actions because there is always a a bailout somewhere and I think the New Zealand housing market even with the headwinds that it's facing at the moment is that because the social consequences of the housing crisis are are massive but at the moment with a majority of people who you know New Zealand is a properly owning democracy we are a majority of people do own the houses that they live in if you do have a massive decline in house prices, then the consequence of that is as severe as as the social consequence of the existing housing crisis. You know, you, you you're taking sixty odd percent of households, taking away their, their their net worth, their disposable income, their everything. So all of a sudden, the people who don't have houses, well, the people who don't have houses still have have jobs. They have those jobs because people are spending money and if you take away the money that 60% of people in the economy spend then all of a sudden you know you're dealing with another problem which is unemployment i mean and this is why the housing crisis is so difficult to solve because you're you're diffusing like this massive bomb that that has to keep on ticking it's a very strange political problem because it's a it's a just crashing the housing market will do as much harm as as allowing the housing crisis my call out is to talk with your bank, stay connected, explain where they are. It's in no one's interest for the banks to be to be uh, um,
0: acting in a short-term manner. You mentioned earlier that the way that people will get through this, essentially, or the way that mortgage holders will get through this, homeowners will get through this, is by talking to their banks. And like, is, is is that pretty much it? Like, obviously, both sides have an interest in finding a solution that works out for both sides. You know, the banks don't want to take houses off people people don't want to lose their houses because they can't afford repayments what i'm getting at with that is the idea that like are there levers that can be pulled at a higher level at government level or is it really down to the market and banks sorting this out with their customers on sort of almost on like a large-scale case-by-case basis
1: yeah, no, there, there there's there, it is it is a customer by customer thing. I think it's um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure of any intervention that the government would want to could make or would want to make. And you'd you'd be dealing with like, I mean, seventeen point eight billion dollars, and that's just first home buyers. Like that's before the COVID pandemic. New Zealand's net debt stood at fifty seven billion dollars. So that's for everything. Gee. So first-home buyers borrowed, like, a third of that. A third of almost, that. Almost in a year. <laughs> More than the health budget um, before the pandemic. That's how much the health budget cost. Like, contextually, like, we borrowed a lot of money. Tom, it's just finally on this. We've been told for, for many, many years, it feels,
0: that, you know, the swapping of houses for vast sums of money is not a reliable base upon which to build a nation's wealth. Is this evidence of the fragility of that approach, I suppose, or or, or that sort of d-
1: developing? Kind of. I think, you know, you, this would be happening, you know, it's happening in America where they have much longer mortgage terms and they have a much more, you know, the world's most diversified economy is America. They do everything. So it's happening there as well. And, and if, if, if we were in America, we would be... Seeing this through, you know, like banks lend to businesses too, and um, and those rates are going up as well. So, you know, that's this is another area that's that's going to be affected. I think what it raises for me is one of the most interesting kind of macro political questions is the reason why central banks are so important, and the reason why we hate inflation so much is that if you can't if you can't trust money, you can't really trust the institutions of the country that you live in. It's bad for civilization. You go back 500 years and Henry VIII debased his currency. He mixed cheaper metals in with the metals of his currency um, to, to have more money essentially to spend. But it completely undermined his sort of political authority because you, you couldn't trust the money that the government issued. Yeah. And I think in, in, in New Zealand we are so... Households and individual people are so vulnerable to these mortgage rate hikes, it does make you think about one of the things that I think governments have been guilty of has been turning a blind eye to the housing crisis because a majority of households do um, own houses. And it's a great way of a cost-free way of increasing people's incomes and wealth um, Mm. is by turning a blind eye to the housing crisis because the people that don't own houses are kind of written off politically, not enough of them vote, Uh, and if they do, they don't represent enough of a voting block to really care about. Uh, And the people who do have houses are very happy because they are able to borrow more, they're able to go um, on holiday and and have lots of money. Um, And we're seeing the flip side of that, and it does make you think about countries which have adopted, not officially at least, but New Zealand's been quite um, ambivalent until recently about... Ludicrous levels of house price growth, and we've tolerated levels of house price growth that we would not tolerate with a, you know, ordinary consumer inflation. Yeah, and I think um, perhaps we will ask questions about the merits of pulling the house price lever to make people very, very rich, and then to make those very, very rich people much poorer. No one wants to live in a roller coaster, <laughs> and New Zealanders have discovered that you know roller coasters go up and then they come down.
0: That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Phil Benge and produced by Sarah Robson, and thanks to Thomas Conklin. Matewa.